Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings of a Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined always by the great Cooper Klein, and the next in our series of guests here to talk about my, my second team, my home away from home, the Golden State Warriors, of course, the uh, the dwelling, the abode of my favorite NBA player of all time, Clay Thompson. And there's no one else we could possibly want to have on to talk about this than the the person with the best Twitter username of all time. Uh, that's, of course, at ClayTheist11, uh, the wonderful Charlie Cummings. Uh, Charlie is a writer for Switch Theory, and he hosts the Game 6 Clay podcast. So this is just like his whole, his whole uh, social media presence is like, it sings to me. It's everything I could possibly want. So <laughs> Charlie, my friend, it's so great to have you on. How you doing? Doing great. Yeah. In case, in case you can't tell by that intro, uh, I love Clay Thompson. I would die for him. Uh, I will defend him with every breath left in my body. <laughs> he's he's a perfect he's a perfect man there's there's nothing else to say about it um he's the only person who could get caught smoking weed at wsu and have every wsu fan just be like yeah that's cool um <laughs> coop coop my friend how you doing well i'm uh you know the complete opposite of you two uh i hate the warriors with every single last breath of my being uh i hate clay thompson more than i hate any other basketball player other than Steph Curry, probably those are my my top two most hated. But uh, I do have a strange affinity for this team because they have some of my favorite players as well. I really like Quinones. I, I love Moody, but you know they just keep. I I, I can't stop from hating them. So uh, you know this is going to be a real fun back and forth pod. Going to have to shit on you guys to keep you guys from blowing up the the airwaves with all the the clay love. I, uh, <laughs> Coop, Coop has a reason to hate because, uh, the Warriors consistently, uh, killed they, his team. They every, destroyed every my year. franchise yeah, for, the, and my hopes for shout, shout out to that one Chris Paul series where like he, he almost did it. He, he had that team on his back he, and, they almost he, did it. and then he fell and then he, he had to keep playing. <laughs> my, I do it just real quick tangent. My favorite playoff moment of all time is, the the Warriors are down. I think they're they have like a chance. They're down like three at the end of that game five, and the ball swings to Quinn Cook, and everybody knows that the ball is gonna miss as soon as he puts it up, and nobody even like contests him or anything. He's wide open, and nobody thinks the ball is gonna go in. Favorite playoff moment of all time. Warriors legend Quinn Cook, and I actually think like bringing up Quinn <laughs> Cook is kind of a funny way to to start this because. This Warriors team, you know, it, it, there is this slight feeling that is this kind of the end. Like, what just happened? Was this was this the last hurrah? Obviously, they won the championship last year after that first wave of is this over? You know, Steph and Clay basically barely played for like two straight years. Um, they tanked one, hard one of those years. And then everything kind of comes back. They looked great last year. Jordan Poole had a breakout season. They win the finals. Uh, they, you know, they get that next ring. They come back this year. They have a valiant, valiant first series. I thought that Kings Warrior series was the best series of the playoffs, even still. Um, 
and then they they lose in six to the Lakers, and they just kind of looked a little outmatched by the athleticism, the strength, the size that the Lakers had. They couldn't really solve Anthony Davis. Um, it, it, Charlie, what are your thoughts on this last season? Do you think this is like, you know, this team is in need of major reshuffling to to really return to that championship level, or do you think that? hey, they just won a championship a year ago. They lost to a pretty good team in the second round. If they just run it back, they'll be in a solid spot. Like, what are your just – what's kind of going through your head as a Warriors fan? Overall, their process for last season um, was a bit – a bit much. Uh, they carried, I believe, six players on rookie contracts on the roster, uh, which is just way too many. Um, they did, you know, make a solid move at the trade deadline – I think getting James Wiseman another opportunity was the right move. It just wasn't going to pan out in Golden State. Um, getting Gary Payton back in the mix was good. But the whole season, for those of us who were following them game after game after game, we saw that this team was aggressively mediocre. Um, and that's a very frustrating thing. When you have Steph Curry playing the way he is, when you have Draymond back to his – all defense level play. Uh, you have Clay Thompson having a resurgent season, getting his first full year in, uh, first time leading the league in three pointers made, and still you end up with forty three wins and you get bounced in the second round. Uh, that's not a good feeling. Um, so yes, they're definitely in need of some major changes. Uh, I think the degree to which people think that changes need to be made varies a lot, um, and we'll definitely get into that a little bit more later but yeah I think the one fatal flaw uh, that the Warriors could pull right now is looking at last season and saying if we do that again uh, things will pan out better uh, because they won't <laughs> I, and I think that's great perspective um, you know there's like like someone like me who follows the team in and out like I, I definitely have this thought that you know, this team was mediocre, but I thought Wiggins missed a lot of the year. And, you know, Clay like had his had a healthy season, but he's still sort of recovering. Like you mess up both these like that. Like that's tough. That's hard to, you know, come back from to miss two full seasons. At times this year, I mean, I thought Draymond Green had an argument for defensive player of the year, to be completely honest. Um, I, I thought he got maybe snubbed from that conversation in some ways because the Warriors team defensive numbers weren't great as a whole, but that's a whole different conversation. And then when Steph was healthy, I thought he, I think there's an argument that he was the per minute MVP this year. Now he didn't play near as not near enough probably to, to stay in that conversation. But um, the, the stars kind of looked, you know, bright at times, maybe until the playoffs. So Charlie, let's talk about the building blocks and kind of where, who, who is this team built around? Who do you think might be potentially on the move? Obviously, Draymond Green is likely to be a free agent. He has a player option this year that I, I would say 99.9% .9 chance he declines and hits free agency. So what do you think this 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 team, who do you think this team should be built around? And who are kind of the, the ancillary pieces that you think might be uh, dealt out in some way or another? Yeah, well, uh, they got their one big anticipated move uh, today, um, getting the news that Bob Myers is stepping down, um, whether or not he's going to be GMing another team, uh, taking a step back from the Warriors, like from basketball entirely. Uh, we've all seen the uh, – he's very buddy-buddy with Bob Iger, 
I, we know that they've been chasing him to try to be an executive at Disney. Um, but yeah, I think that was that was really important. Um, it's kind of crazy that they offered him an ownership stake and he was still out. So whatever was going on there, I think they need to start with a clean slate and figure out who's in charge pretty quickly. Uh, it seems that internally they'll look to some promotion. I would expect sort of a uh, Mike Dunleavy Jr., um, Kirk Lacob kind of duo running things. Um, such a good feeling uh, when you have multiple fail sons uh, running in the front office. Uh, I feel like I am rooting for the race waystar Royco of the NBA right now. But um, yeah, I think, you know, you, whoever's coming in to run this team, they're going to have a lot of interesting questions to answer. I think in terms of building blocks, you need to do everything you can to keep Draymond Green in the fold. Uh, I know that he's more or less threatened to leave before and they've been able to keep him. Um, so they need to do what they can there. And Clay Thompson, Draymond, I mean, Clay Thompson, Steph, Draymond, you have to keep those three no matter what. I know Clay is making more money than he should next year, but that's a contract they signed five years ago um, at a time where really your choice was pay a guy the Supermax or watch him go somewhere else. Um, so they did what they had to do. Um, beyond that, I think Wiggins has thoroughly established himself as a core piece. Uh, the one sort of issue is that, you know, he can't really step up and be that second scoring threat that they need. And I think we've seen that Clay Thompson can't cut it there all the time. So that's one issue that they have to work with. But the defense, the effort, it just speaks for itself. I mean, the guy is probably the most, I mean, obviously Kevin Durant exists, but he's been the most proficient Warriors wing in this system. Uh, for the Steve Kerr era with the defense he brings to the table, the cutting, the ability to create shots in a pinch, the shooting from deep. Um, that's a core four that you can really build around. Kevon Looney has to stay in the fold. Uh, he's not, not the best rebounding center in the league. <laughs> We've seen these ridiculous runs in the playoffs uh, across that King series over to the Lakers. He had 20 rebound games in, in four out of five games over a stretch, which is just preposterous. I mean, he was doing like single-handed yeoman's work against Damas Sabonis and all of those other Kings bigs. Uh, he was fighting on it with Anthony Davis. He so, plays like he has like stick him on his hands. Like he is, he is one of the single craziest rebounders <laughs> I've ever watched because like, his ability to just like grab a ball with two fingers by the looks of it. And, and it seems like, like he's a, he's good at boxing out. He's obviously good at getting position, but it's also just like, if there's a contested one, he's going to be the guy to come down with it. He's stronger. His hands are better. That's just not to interrupt, but truly absurd rebounder. Oh, yeah. His, his, his rebounding run in the playoffs was one of the most fun, like weird secondary tertiary skill players uh, I've ever seen. No, it is it is amazing, and especially considering him like physically, uh, you know, we all know about like the hip injury problems that just completely took away the explosion. Um, the guy has effectively one big jump in his legs at all times, and it's not that big of a jump to begin with. And the fact that he's still able to use that to high point the ball so often to get his hand on it to at least tip it out 
and, you know, create a second chance, uh, even for himself. It's so impressive. Um, so I think, you know, they really do have a starting lineup locked in if they want it. You know, we've seen them play championship basketball with Kevon Looney. If you come in with him as your starting center, you could do so much worse. Um, that's really the one, I think, starting lineup spot that they could upgrade on this offseason. But beyond that, they feel pretty locked in. Um, and I think on the bench, uh, we've seen what Gary Payton can do. He's the ultimate kind of Swiss Army knife guy you can have because he can effectively, you know, take all the point point of attack defense away from more creation-oriented bench guards like Jordan Poole um, while also sort of playing this, like, strange wing-slash-big offensive role where he's cutting and shooting out of the corners and rotating between dunker spots. So I think he's really the only bench player that they have to keep going forwards because he's so important because of how well Steve Curry uses him. Uh, frankly, everything else should be on the table. Um, you know, there was so much hand-wringing last offseason over the potential of Jordan Poole, the potential of Jonathan Kaminga. Um, and we've seen, you know, it panned out with that first title. They were able to get some contribution from Poole. They were able to get some other minutes from young guys. We saw Moses Moody have good stretches these playoffs. But the Warriors just need to take a hard look at this and say, hey, we have maybe a top 10 core of all time that we're trying to continue right now. Um, and we can't keep using future potential as an excuse to not make moves because they need to solidify things. They need to get Steph, someone who can at least take the offensive load when he's off the floor. So they're not as reliant on him uh, creating all of the scoring. Um, I think it was, it was more apparent these playoffs than ever. Like it was, it just came down to how badly do they lose the non-Steph minutes, and can Steph make up for that once he gets back in the game? Um, and the guy is amazing, but he's thirty-five years old, and he can't do this forever. So I think really that starting lineup, Gary Payton too. That's your sort of six players that you can hold on to, build a team around, and anything else can and probably should be had for the right price. So let's talk about that. I, I think I, I think that was a an incredible breakdown of, of where this team is at. And and we've seen them make this mistake before. They probably could have traded James Wiseman for legit contributors multiple times. And instead they held out and held out and held out and got basically nothing of real value for him. So we and when you talk about this, you know, with the context that they have the 19th pick in this draft, which is a pretty solid pick. There's a chance there's a good player there. They could probably package Poole, who's going to have some value, pro probably like solid value, and he's like great contract matching. Like like 28 million is not so much that like it's going to price, you know, like it's going to price some other teams out, but also not, not too little that like it won't work to help match a, a max player. Um, and then they also have, like you mentioned, Kaminga. No, I like Moody. I would I would recommend keeping Moody. I thought Moody gave them some really, really good minutes in the playoffs. Um, he was still a little inconsistent, like sliding his feet defensively, but uh, just a really smart player who could hit shots. And I think he's like really improved as an athlete in Golden State. Like he's one of those guys who I thought um, had that maybe potential upside to that he didn't show the type of athlete he was at Arkansas and sometimes for those Montverde teams. 
And then he's kind of got to Golden State and he's looked much bouncier, much faster. So uh, I, I would recommend keeping him. But it's like you said, nothing really nailed down. Who are some guys, Charlie, that you would hope Golden State would look to target with these trades? You know, I think that's the interesting question with them because, you know, really with this team, you have your one through four are your star players. Um, and it's really hard to justify. I mean, obviously, you know, Steph Curry's not going to the bench. Um, so if you're adding a star wing or a combo forward type, like a Pascal Siakam, uh, OG Ananobi, you know, either someone moves to the bench or the guy they acquire starts off on the bench. And I don't see a Pascal Siakam type being like, yeah, I'll be the sixth man after being the number two on a championship team like four years ago. So I think that presents them with some really weird dynamics there. Um, one avenue to me is kind of going in and trying to say, how many good players, solid rotation veterans can we add for Jordan Poole? Um, I've, seen, I've seen some things that I really like, you know, for example, going to Brooklyn. I know Mikhail Bridges it has an exorbitant price, but – Guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, they can be had. They're either controllable uh, or expiring in Dinwiddie's case. Um, I am genuinely terrified of the thought of Andre Iguodala and Spencer Dinwiddie being on the same bench, putting their heads together on crypto or whatever the hell those guys would talk about. But the guy can create some shots, and he's been solid enough. Um, I think he kind of has a personality like – they're they're good they're good with overconfident guys like Steve Kerr knows how to manage them so that's a guy I think they could get the best out of um I think you know Orlando has some solid pieces uh there's the potential there to ship Jordan Poole out there's Gary Harris on the table he makes a lot of money but he's a one-year expiring wing plays good defense shoots the ball well um, they have other young pieces as well. I think they'd be willing to move on from, you know, like you could gauge the interest of a Cole Anthony. So you still have some young potential around, but you also know you're getting some shot creation. Um, but you know, the trade, the trades are just going to be very hard to flesh out. Um, I think there is some landing space for them to try to go to Minnesota, gauge the price of a Carl Anthony Towns, because, you know, we've seen, this two-center thing for them is not going to work out. Rudy Gobert is going to be very hard to move. They'll get a King's ransom for Cat, and the Warriors have the assets to pay up for that. Um, and I think as well, you know, we've seen some of the deficiencies of Carl uh, Anthony Towns. You know, obviously having a center that's not that great around the rim is a bit of a concern. But the Warriors had the second-best rim field goal percentage mark with uh, – by opponents last year um, with Draymond Green and uh, Kevon Looney running the front court. So they know how to turn, you know, a bunch of spare change in terms of rim protection into, into a pretty, into a pretty solid makeup there. Um, so I think there are a lot of options on the table, but you know, the Warriors have to really get into it with these players and say, Hey, we need to go, we need to go make big changes if we go get this guy, can you stomach coming off the bench for a season? 
for a Clay Thompson, for an Andrew Wiggins, even for a Draymond Green, you know. Um, so that's that's really the interesting uh, sort of dynamic for me is how big do they want to swing? And is it possible that they take too much of a big swing that it upsets someone, upsets someone else's role and uh, creates other problems? Yeah, so there are two guys who really stand, stand out to me as like, and, and there's obviously, I, I like what you said about trying to get multiple role players. And if I was smarter, I, I would have heard that and thought of a couple trades immediately, but I'm not. So I, I couldn't think of, of names like that. But there are two guys who I came into this thinking, if the Warriors could get them, that would be, it would be fascinating. And I think it would really uh, increase this team's upside on both ends. And the first, the first guy I'll mention is Kristaps Porzingis. Now, Porzingis is a free agent, but I, I think that uh, if the Wizards are smart, they're going to try and sign him back, even if they want to tank with this new management they have, because losing him for nothing is is worthless. And I think there is a sign-and-trade potential there, where it's, you know, Porzingis is probably, he, he's probably warranted at least a near-max contract, um, but you kind of convince them, you know, we'll give you Jordan Poole, who's a younger, higher upside player with who's a creator uh, for Kristaps Porzingis. And, and, you know, you probably have to throw in some other things here and there. But what I like about Porzingis is that I think he is really going to make this team just a devastating rim protection team. He is one of the better rim protectors in the league. Um, now, the Warriors don't play like a ton of like pure drop usually. But I, I think that Kerr can adjust. I, I think Kerr's actually really good at that. I think that's one of his skills as a coach is adjusting and, and fitting guys in defensively as he needs to. Um, I'd be fascinated to see Porzingis play in like a movement system where he's cutting and shooting and that type of stuff. And that brings me to the other guy. And this is someone who who took an all-star leap playing in a Warriors S system, and that's Lowry Markinen. Markinen is going to be expensive should they look to get him because he is on a stupid team-friendly deal and he's just like i mean he was a borderline all-nba caliber player this year um but he's proven that he can play it in a movement scheme i think he's underrated as a rim protector but he can also switch out and guard threes he's the type of guy who i think you know he probably is like pushes draymond to the five and pushes Lindy to the bench that might look weird it might take time to adjust but i think come playoff time you need someone else to create some shots uh, you need someone who can fit into this movement sch- scheme and then also do some, you know, switching defensively. I think marketing could absolutely be that guy. So those are the two guys that stand out to me. Coop, is there anyone that you'd be looking to 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 add in, in a trade uh, for this team? Well, I mean, you can always have KJ Martin and, uh, and Jay Sean Tate, if you want, um, you know, we're, we have all the undersized forwards that you could ask for, you know, if we're really feeling nice, we can talk a Shengun swap. I do think uh, he'd be a great fit in that offense, but uh, I it's the trade market is so weird right now because every single team, it feels like, like likes their guys and everybody's kind of overvalued, like, especially like, like an OG and an OB. It's like, Oh, would I give up a first pick, like a first, a first round pick and uh, you know, a mid player for OG. Yeah. Am I going to give up the requisite price of like three firsts and like a half decent player for him? Hell no, right? Like, it's, I mean, Lou Dort, if the Thunder want to, like, actually work on their spacing, somebody who's just tough, uh, I think he can shoot, but he's, I, I kind of feel like he's a Dylan Brooks E, like uh, OKC's own Dylan Brooks with, uh, you know, not as bad of shot selection, but same kind of thing. 
you could like look at Atlanta and look at if you really want to lean into like the drop bit, you could get Clint Capella or even like a John Collins, who I think is a lot better than people have like really talked about. I feel like Atlanta has a lot of guys who they're probably going to try to move. Like you have John Collins at 23 and a half, Clint at nearly 19 and Bogdan at 18. Um, they kind of like, I, I don't want to say they cap the ceiling for that team, but you've seen what they can do next to Trey next to DeJounte. Uh, maybe they want to make the move for, you know, a pool or a sign and trade with Draymond or even like a Wiggins, you know, you bring in new guys, new blood. All those guys are a, a lot younger. Uh, I'm a big Bogdan fan. I know he's hurt all the time, but I mean, that guy fucks. So why not bring him in? Uh, you know, there's, there's some, I, just playing around with Washington, I think as well, because they, you know, you have Moody and Kaminga, right. That could really, really be like an incentive to those guys. Uh, if you want to get Delon Wright, or you want to get Monte Morris or even like Kyle Kuzma in a sign and trade, uh, a Denny of Dia, if you really buy him in that kind of system, you know, there's a lot of options there. If, the, if there's one team that, that Beal would probably waive his no trade clause for, too. I mean, and Beal's fit would yeah. be weird. And honestly, Beal looked sort of washed last year. Like, this was the best team he's had around him in Washington since John Wall left. And he was the guy who couldn't take the step up and get them to the playoffs. But um, there's definitely a lot of interesting options. And I, I, I think, like, the Warriors are going to have to be aggressive, like you've said, Charlie. And, and that does take me to the draft. And... Just, I, I guess the first thing I want to ask is, Charlie, do you think they even make this pick at 19? Uh, I think they make it. Uh, whether or not I think they should is another question. Um, so I, I, I kind of look at it as, you know, the main thing I said about the Warriors last year is I like all of the draft picks that they've made recently in a vacuum. Like, I think they did a good job identifying talent. Um, they've gone for upside. They've gone for positions of need. The problem is that when they're all together, they're, you know, fighting for scraps of developmental minutes. Um, you know, we've seen guys, they like take a guy like Patrick Baldwin Jr. Whenever he played last year, he looked like a guy. And he had no shot at getting regular playing time just because of how this roster is structured. Um, so if they, if they were to make this pick and keep it, that would give them at least four rookie deals, uh, five, if Ryan Rollins is staying in the picture. Um, I think that is untenable. Like you can't do that again. And whether it's, you know, trading away all but one of Kuminga or Moody or, you know, maybe keeping... Patrick Baldwin around. I think at most they could have two, maybe three of these rookie scale guys. Now, obviously, you know, Ryan Rollins is the furthest away from contributing to this team. I think just for the sake of getting a productive roster spot, they need to move him for whatever they can, even if it's a, you know, top 58 protected second or whatever, like just give yourself some leeway on these roster spots. Um, I don't think you can keep, both of Kaminga and Moody, I would like to hold on to one of them. Um, but I don't think you can have those two guys fighting for the same minutes again. 
And I think the same goes for Patrick Baldwin Jr. You know, if there's not a real path for him to be like a top 10 guy in the rotation, then they need to aggregate him in a trade package. Um, so that really is what it comes down to me is if they want to make this pick and they like a guy there, that's fine. But that has to come with several other trades to get rid of young guys. Because especially, you know, we'll talk about the targets. Um, I think a lot of the good targets in this area are some are pretty developmental, um, but some I think you could kind of do a bit of a plug and play role uh, if they can find the right guys. So that's really what it comes down to for me. You know, if they make this pick and they keep them on the roster and they're like the third or fourth developmental priority, then it was a mistake, no matter which player they take, in my opinion. I think that's a uh, th- that's a really great way of looking at things, and 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 this is a team that just doesn't like have the 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 leeway to be making like these types of developmental sacrifices. And um, you know, if you're not going to make it, it'd be different if this was a team that was still dominant enough to be like a top two seed, even if they kind of take it easy in the regular season. Then I think you can get away with more of that, like. Oh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. is only going to play like sparing minutes here and there, and and then when we just when we've locked up the top three seed, he'll play a ton. Like that's just not what this team is. I mean, they barely got above the play in basically, and and um that that looming threat of of being a seven seed and missing the playoffs will always be there now. Um, but that does take me to the nineteenth pick because I think you mentioned that there's some really interesting targets here, and um, assuming that they make this pick, and also. Given the assumption that it's probably surrounded by some other moves, because I, I doubt with Myers leaving, especially, I doubt this team just stays completely pat and and doesn't make any type of move. Who are some guys you you'd really be interested in the Warriors drafting here, Charlie? Yeah, so I think there are really kind of two separate buckets for me. Um, one of them for me is if they can find if they can find a path to add, like to trade up, uh, if there's a guy that they really like that they think they can give a rotation spot from day one, um, you know, we've talked a lot about Clay Thompson. Uh, if Grady Dick starts to slide into like the early teens, uh, call up an Orlando or an Oklahoma City, one of these teams with multiple first round picks, and say, hey, you know, if you like any of these other prospects we have, you know, if Moses Moody isn't up to enough to entice you to move back seven or eight spots, if you're willing to do future first swaps, whatever it is, I think Grady could be that kind of guy that they should go for. Um, I'm not as sure of how much of a trade-up guy he would be. Um, you know, they might not even be in range to go get him, but I think Keontae George falls in the same way. These are just two guys I would love to see in movement shooting system. I think they've shown that they're pretty capable right off the bat. I mean, no prospect is without flaws and without areas of development, but they're about as developed as you can get in this area. And, you know, I think especially, especially, you know, in terms of defensive responsibility, neither of these guys are ideal, but I think they don't make like the head scratching mistakes that Steve Kerr will utterly bench them for. Um, and then I think there's kind of, there's kind of another avenue where, you know, they sort of kick this second timeline can down the road. Uh, they make a lot of trades. Um, they sort of, you know, 
flush out all of these younger guys, like get them in better opportunities, sort of consolidate the roster. And then they go for more of an upside guy. Um, in that case, I would love to see uh, Gigi Jackson in this spot. I think his defensive versatility would be really interesting. We've seen the self-creation, um, just the ridiculous load he shouldered for South Carolina. Like every time I was watching a game of his, I was just pleading at the TV for him to get some kind of help. Uh, I think he would be really fun. Um, I think Taylor Hendricks probably won't be around in that area, but if he's a guy that slides, I would love to see him put in that system. Um, I'm very interested in the tape that Jalen hood Shafino has put out, and I think we've seen that Kerr is a really good guy at knowing what to do with non-traditional guard skill sets. Um, especially in like a split he- in a split action heavy system where it's like, hey, you're screening for a guard to get open, but if you get the right switch, like go post the smaller guy up um, and try to get yourself some contact, try to get down around the block. Um, there's there's a lot of ways they can do. Um, I think really the one I keep coming back to that I think is my favorite if they're sticking at the spot uh, is Derek Lively. Um, we've seen. You know, they, they've really just neglected adding assets at the big man position for so long, which is especially strange considering how they started off. Um, you know, there was Festus Azili, there was Damian Jones, there was Kavon Looney. Like, they really attacked center at the tail end of the first round. Um, and then we really haven't seen that kind of investment. I mean, you know, obviously James Wiseman happened, uh, but... I, you know, he was more of a, he was more of a stab at a star as opposed to like a very strong role guy. And I think Lively is the kind of guy where, you know, if they sort of clear out some playing time and they expect him to be, you know, the third or fourth big man, uh, he could really produce some results early. And, you know, the, uh, I don't know, I don't know if saying, calling it recent developments is doing him justice, but a lot of eyes have been opened by these Derek Lively shooting workouts. Um, and I have been praying for a true stretch five on this team for so long. So <laughs> uh, if he's, if he's protecting the rim, uh, controlling the glass, um, you know, being, being sort of that like roll and lob menace and he can shoot a three now and then that would be a beautiful thing for the system. Yeah, I think I, I I definitely like that you mentioned like like trying to get a big. I think like this team has really missed like JaVale McGee, as weird as that sounds. I know McGee like got a lot of hate for whatever reason, but like the there was a reason they didn't want to play that five man lineup that everyone considered their best lineup like 30 minutes a game together. It's because it's hard to play with no real big. And and I think we've seen that catch up to them from time to time. Um, Coop, is there anyone who stands out to you whether they'd be a trade-off option or a guy you think might fall to 19 who would be a really, really nice pickup for the Warriors? I'm uh, I'm contractually obligated to mention Kobe Bufkin uh, as the president of his fan club. I have to bring him up on every single pod that we do. Uh, just can do good stuff on offense. I think can really defend. You know, maybe they don't need another small guard, but I don't think you can have too much shooting and good off-ball play and you know, just smart ball movement in that warrior system. Um, you know, if you're looking for somebody who's, uh, you know, a little bit 
a little bit bigger. I think you could go Terrence Shannon. This is like the top end, like the very, very top end of his range. So maybe this is like a trade back, but I think he brings something else that they don't really have in like just a hyper transition threat who is like the fastest guy on the floor. Every single time he touches it, he could still space the floor, you know, make the right moves can really defend point of attack. He's, you know, pretty strong for how skinny he comes across. Um, and I think the last guy who I, another guy who's, who's, you know, is probably the top end of his range, but I would love to see Ricky council under Steve Kerr um, just ball movement, you know, have him come out of his little sets uh, you know, there's some, you know, maybe you, maybe he messes it up and ends up being Kelly Oubre 2.0, but that kind of offensive talent just doesn't come around very often. Like he can really shoot the ball. He can really attack the rim. That Arkansas team was so poorly spaced. I think he can make all the right passes. Um, and he's just so athletically gifted and, you know, you've seen, you know, Kerr and, you know, all the, the Warriors culture stuff, if they keep, you know, Iguodala around for vet guidance and Draymond. And, uh, you know, I think that you could really turn Council into a weapon on that team if he actually got minutes. And I I, I think he has the talent to, to earn minutes from the jump. Yeah, you guys brought up a lot of great names and I only have a, I only have one or two to add. I will add to the trade up category, Kassan Wallace. Uh, you mentioned like Kerr's ability to to kind of get funky with guard skill sets. Um, and I think that this is the perfect place for Kassan Wallace to be maximized offensively while bringing something this team just does not have really defensively. Gary Payton is is sort of like Kassan Wallace, but you kind of prefer Payton on the ball. Uh, and I also think like you can't have too many like really good defenders who are good on and off the ball. Uh, I, I don't think that's a thing that exists. And Wallace is just someone who I think can really, really fill into the rotation early, if, especially if they get rid of pool through some through some means. Like he just he's he's someone who's going to contribute to winning, I think, early in his career. Um, and I think the offense is a bit underrated. He it, it's it's not fully developed, but I think Kerr is a guy who can really help him unlock that. We can go quick on this next section because like this draft is so wide open that it's it's hard to really focus on like reaches guys. We don't like too much, but uh, Charlie, is there anyone, you know, even just one to two names who stand out as guys, like you'd be pretty disappointed if the Warriors were to draft at 19. One that really stands out to me and it stinks because I was getting really high on him early in the process. Uh, I don't know. I think Maxwell Lewis would be a pretty big reach right here. Um, I think, We've sort of seen him in this range mocked before, but I think, you know, things have really kind of tailed off in terms of workouts, um, adding to the total strength. Um, I have, I do love the passing. I love like how he makes things work out of the post for others, but the Warriors post opportunities are few and far between, unfortunately. Um, so I, I'm, I'm with you there. Like there aren't a ton of guys where it's just like, oh, the world's ending if they take this guy. Um, but there are, def there are definitely some ways where they can, you know, sort of bungle the value of this pick by not trading back to get the right guy or, you know, trying to shoot for some upside when I think it's not really there. Yeah. This draft is chock full of like fine guys, guys. It's hard to get upset about. Like I, I actually think there's a dearth of guys I like really love, 
but it's like almost every time we're doing this section if it's past the lottery or past like the top 15 i'm almost never like i'm always scratching my head trying to find reaches because it's just yeah he's fine even max lewis like i'm pretty low on max lewis i don't think he's a um i i think he gets overrated as like this ball handling wing and i think the defense is pretty questionable um but even like i'd be like you know like if you really think you can get him to shoot like that like i think his release is super slow but if you think you can get him to to play in this movement scheme and get shots off like i wouldn't even hate it tjd is someone i'm fairly low on but he like he could make reads in these split actions that the warriors run i think and and he's like a legit lob threat he profiles to me as someone who can be a solid bench big in that kind of montrez Harrell. Dwight Powell type role. Coop, is there anyone stands out to you as guys like you would not be super happy should the Warriors pick here? Yeah, just like super projects in general, like we were talking about earlier. I like, I think Bilal Kulabali. Um, I think he's nice. You know, I, I think he's really athletic. We're about to record a pod on him in like four hours here. But uh, I think he's going to require really specific handling and like you have to have a very concrete plan of what you want him to do and how you're going to want him to get that. And I, I think that's going to involve some higher level reps. And uh, I don't know if you're, if you're the Warriors, I don't think you want to give him that. And uh, just somebody who I don't, I, I has this probably like the top, top end of his range, but Noah Clowney, someone who I just don't super know what he does other than like rebound that this team really needs. And I don't think he's like a super talented dominant rebounder in like a Kavon Looney way. Uh, I think a lot of what he did was scheme. I don't think his touch is very good. I just, I don't think the defense is great. There's some cool flashes there and he's super young, but again, just, I, I don't think that they need to be spending their time on super, super projects, especially when, you know, you could take Colby Jones here, you know, uh, and, and just have somebody, I, I, I literally just said that to upset Bryce because I know he hates Colby, but uh, <laughs> Colby's my guy, but you know, the, just, theoretically just there's no need for the, the super young mega projects when there are these solid guys that Bryce was talking about. I love Leonard Miller. I love, I love the skill set. I love the frame. I love the hustle. Like the things he's been doing in the G league are awesome. And it would break my heart if we took him just to play him like 20 minutes a week, you know, like that would be another one of those examples of like, Hey, in a vacuum, you did great, but I am suffering watching this, knowing what else you could have done with this pick. Um, whether it's a trade, whether it's taking a guy who's actually going to play right now, like that would just feel so crappy just to see that guy of that talent just kind of wasting away on the end of the bench again. Because, you know, like you said, Coop, like there, there are so many guys in this class that are like, we need to take some time to figure you out. And we've seen time and time again, the Warriors are not going to give them the time to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, even like, uh, they just like, they're just a team that I feel like since for for a while now, I feel like they've struggled with development. Like, like it's not just like bad draft picks. Like, I even think like someone like a Patty McCaw was like not like horrible pro- like process when they drafted him. It's just, this is not a team that for you know, the past like almost 10 years now has taken the time to really develop guys. It's just not what they do. So I'm with you 100%. Like get someone who 
projects to, to fill a role early. And that doesn't mean they have to be old. Like, I think Derek Lively is a great example, like, where he's young. He's a very young freshman. But he's someone who could fill a role early. Um, now, I think he, I worry that he might make some of the stupid James Wiseman mistakes, though he's much more polished defensively than Wiseman was. But, like, I, you know, I, I'm with you 100%. It, it's hard to get rookies and expect them to be good. But it's not hard to get rookies that can – at the very least, fill a regular season role and get some real playing time. Um, and I think that's what they should really be shooting for. Should they stick at 19 or should they look to trade up or even trade down? Um, let's talk. Let's kind of wrap this up. We always like to do worst case, best case scenarios for the offseason. And for the Warriors, I'm guessing your worst case and best case are both going to seem very extreme. And uh, that's what we like to do. So, so Charlie, get extreme, get wild. What's your worst case scenario for the Warriors this offseason? I mean, it's kind of tough because I think I try to do, you know, realistic worst case. Um, as much as the Draymond chatter has gone on, I've never really gotten the feeling that he's going to go elsewhere. So, yeah, it would be super easy to say, oh, Draymond moves on and everything falls apart. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, really the worst case for me is they make one or two signings, you know, like a DiVincenzo kind of thing. Uh, and then they end up with as many or more rookie contract guys that they did last year. Um, like really the worst case scenario is Kuminga, Moody, Rollins, Patrick Baldwin Jr. all on the roster and they add the 19th pick to the mix. Um, that to me is by far the worst case scenario because it would just be an indication that they haven't learned anything from last year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see, I see you writing down draft a bum. I mean, even if it's yeah. not a bum, like we, they wouldn't give him the time to figure out whether this guy is a bum or not. Like it could be an absolute gem of a prospect and he's going to be getting 12th man minutes. Yeah, uh, that's that's just, a great point. I mean, if, if they keep all the rookies, even if they draft one of the guys we're really like, even if like, you know, Keontae George, who we put up in the trade up options, who you're really, you know, you're really in on, like, even if they keep all these guys, like Keontae George will not play. He's not mm. better than Moody. He's not. He's you know, like maybe the defense proves to be good enough at the point of attack that he finds a way, but even that feels unlikely when you consider Gary Payton, Jordan Poole are going to be taking the bench guard minutes when they're healthy. And um, you, you know, you would hope that one of Kaminga or Moody could finally step into a real rotation role at the wing. And, you know, you're kind of really, I I, I don't know. I, that's a great point that even if it's not like, even if they dropped one of the guys we'd like at 19, it's still too many rookie contracts on a roster that's trying to compete right now. Um, all right, let's move on to the best case. We like to end it on a really happy note. Charlie, what's like your best case? You'd be ecstatic. You'd be like, this team is a championship contender again. What does that offseason look like? Yeah, so my best case um, is whoever the hell is going to be leading this front office. Um, I think that's why it's really crucial that it's internal. Uh, you know, if they just hire some guy from the outside and he walks in and says, hey, Draymond, uh, good to meet you. How about that pay cut? Um, that's not going to go well. Um, and I think ditto for Clay Thompson. You know, he's a little more amiable, but that's the thing I think you need to get in first to say, okay, we believe that this core still has championships left, championship potential. If you guys take a small haircut, uh, you know, Draymond on his new contract, Clay on an extension, this gives us so much more room to work with. 
Um, and then that circles back to this original sort of core you have where you have those three, you have Andrew Wiggins, you have Kevon Looney, you have Gary Payton. That's at least the starting lineup, maybe the top six of the playoff rotation. Um, and then you go from there. You say, okay, we can turn these young guys into a six-man, maybe a second scoring option. Maybe you take the big star swing and convince one of these guys to come off the bench. Maybe you're just focused on solidifying the role players. Um, but really what they need right now is that stability. Uh, they need – I mean, I think an ideal offseason, unfortunately, means Jordan Poole is gone, but they need him gone to achieve stability right now. Uh, I think they've placed too much expectation on him that he just hasn't delivered, and that just cultivates this incredible frustrating sense around him uh, that makes their star players want to punch him in the face sometimes. Uh, we've seen this. So, uh, I, you know, that, that, that's really it for me, is like, don't leave this Clay and Draymond thing hanging over your head. Go get Draymond's deal done. Talk to Clay about his next one. You know, you just paid him, I think, $170 million. I mean, I think the guy would be pretty amenable to making less money on his next deal. Um, so that's really the ideal for me. You know, it doesn't have to be full, like, last dance, last hurrah, that kind of thing. But talking to these guys and saying, hey, you take this money off now, it'll turn this into a championship team. Next year, the year after that, the year after that. Like, that's the vision you have to pitch to them. Um, can Mike Dunleavy do that? Maybe. Um, but, yeah, those guys, I would love to see them really put out some more spending power, um, you know, trying to get these role guys in the mix. Uh, you know, they really had – I mean, they had an ideal – when they won that championship team, it was off the back of – the way that they hit veteran role player signings. Like Otto Porter Jr. was amazing. Gary Payton was amazing. Um, and then they made the decision to let them both go. Uh, and you can't, you can't, you can't like keep doing that. You can't keep expecting the young guys to come in here. Like they need to have the potential to have a, a top eight or nine playoff rotation with at most one rookie scale guy in there because that's how they thrive. Like, that's how this team gets done with veteran experience, with guys that don't fold, um, because so much of what the last season's failures came down to was mentality instead of talent. Um, when they got down, they got down. When they started turning the ball over, it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, you need smart guys to come in here, make the right plays, no one to stop the bleeding, no one to press an advantage. Um, so that's really what it is for me is the ideal scenario is they come out of this with a rock solid eight or nine man playoff rotation plays back in the fold. Draymond's back in the fold. They got a couple more veterans uh, looking to play with Steph and Clay. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a not as far ranging set of outcomes uh, as I think, you know, there's only there's only so bad you can be with Steph Curry in the fold. Um, but we've seen how good they can be over and over again. And I think that's the good thing for the Warriors is they're really not that far away from finding a team that Steph can take to a championship. Yeah, I mean, I think the guiding principle of every NBA team should be banners hang forever. And it's 
I I thought the the two the two timeline thing was a novel concept, and I I think like it could have worked had they just picked the right guys. I mean, I think we're talking about things very differently if it's Lamelo Ball at two instead of James Wiseman. Um, but that's a different story for a different day. And I think you're right that the the path forward is to just be all in on Steph, the generational talent who's still <laughs> playing like he's in his prime. Um, and, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see how it goes. Again, this is kind of my second team. This is the team that I will always root for so long as, uh, Clay Thompson is on it. Um, Charlie, this was great. I, I thought you brought, you bring a lot of expertise. You're one of my favorite followers on Twitter. I think you, uh, you do a lot of great stuff. I love your podcast. Just, just plug yourself. Just let people know where they can find all your excellent stuff. Yeah. Well, off the bat, all my basketball stuff goes through my Twitter, uh, at Clay PS 11. Uh, you will largely find largely finding me uh, doing a lot of Clay Thompson defending. Shockingly, uh, I always do my film work on there. Um, I love just interacting with all the fans that I can find there. Like that, Twitter has just brought me such an amazing community of people that I can go to. I wouldn't be here right now talking to you guys if it wasn't for it. Um, so that's always a great place. You know, come find me. I'm always down to talk basketball. Uh, the Swish Theory is where I do all of my writing. Um, I love those guys, been doing this with them since the beginning. Um, they're putting out some amazing content, especially as the draft season comes up. Uh, so come for the Warriors things, uh, stay for the interactive big boards. <laughs> and yeah, as you mentioned too, uh, Game 6 Play Pod, we're doing episodes every week. Uh, shout out my guys Gotham and Matt. We've been at it for almost three years now, which feels surreal. Um, but I love those guys. I love talking warriors always. Um, so yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Swish theory too. Uh, I, I believe you're the, you're the third Swish theory guy we've had on to do this so far. And it's, uh, just such a great little collective of talent and, and I'm truly, truly happy to have it in the space. And then, yeah, listen to the podcast. I think it's my, it's my go-to warriors podcast for sure. And, um, I think you guys all bring great analysis. So shout out again to Charlie. All the stuff that he has is linked down below. So just, you know, don't think too hard. Just go click on a link and, and you'll be right to all his stuff. For Coop at Ali underscore Coop underscore Coop. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. Give us a like, rating, review. Check out the website if you want to see scouting reports and, you know, all that type of fun stuff. Breakdowns on the Warriors specifically. If you just, if you don't want to listen to uh, this 50 minute pod again, but you need a refresher, just click on the website. It'll be right there. This has been the Upset Swings to be a draft podcast. We await our ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.